From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Ahoy, mateys! Welcome aboard the Lonely Maiden, a spacious and modern intergalactic sailing vessel, plying the ether to transport important supplies to various planetary outposts. I'm Captain Cracklin' Jane, and I'm here with First Mate Rex. Thank you, Captain. We signed up the best maritime professionals from the seven seas of planet Earth to crew our fine vessel, luring them here to take a break from the salt water and sail through the solar system and beyond and, and get away from the rough weather the, and the hardtack and spoiled dried meat and cramped bunks and sadistic corporal punishment that you'd find on a regular ship. Yes, First Mate Rex, and for the next hour, these gentlemen of the high seas will regale their fellow crewmates with tales of swashbuckling intrigues, starting with an old sea dog from 1938 Sweden, Erik Kalkvist. He wants to tell us about Jimmy the Sailor.
Welcome back to the Lonely Maiden, our ultra-modern intergalactic transport sailing ship crewed by old sailors from around the globe of Earth. We just heard an old hardy named Erik Kalkvist who gave us a song about Jimmy Captain? the Sailor. Captain? Ca Captain? Sailor Jimmy is hogging the Kingsley Space Telescope. It was, it was my turn a long time ago. I'm going to take that telescope away from both of you if you don't stop fighting. Sailor Jimmy... Let Red look through the Kingsley Space Telescope for a few minutes, and you can have it back later. But I was mesmerized by the, the Southern Ring Nebula. Next up in our Sailor Talent Show, we have Thomas Bailey with Frank Tanner and his 1936 Rhythm Kings, who will give us some Sailor Man rhythm. Kar där det var Både flickor och dans och buteljer I ruk och i dammland Allt glant levan fram Mellan borden och tittar och väljer En flicka så mörk som tropikerna snabbt Och säger till henne min skatt Har du dansat någon gång med en svensk sjöman A sailor from Sweden, you know Dansa tango och rumba, det har jag sett att du kan Men nu ska du få känna på 
Lägg din arren om min hals Så där jag För nu blir det sjömansvals Dessvärr jag var fals Har du dansat någon gång med en svensk sjöman A sailor from Sweden, you know Come along, come along boys Med en fantastisk musik Men är borta med saxofon och slagspel Kom along darling, jag är van vid publik Och dansar helst till dragspel Her deckhand Harry Brandelius with the 1938 Alla Tiders Orchestra. Have you ever danced with a Swedish sailor? How to dance it nu gang mit Svensk Sherman? And you'll recall that he was preceded by Thomas Bailey with Frank Tanner and his Rhythm Kings with some 1936 Sailor Man rhythm. Now you're probably wondering how, in this day and age of labor shortages, we're able to convince such a large crew of able-bodied maritimers to leave behind the rollicking seas and hitch up with an intergalactic sailing vessel such as the Lonely Maiden. Well, Captain, as you know, we offered a number of perks, including this swag bag containing any number of items an Earth sailor would give his left leg for, including a sewing kit, temporary tattoos of anchors with a banner that says Mother, a harmonica, a personal diary with a lock, a pocket knife, this non-functional souvenir clay pipe, dried limes, and ginger cookies. Thanks, matey. And it looks like we're ready for the next act in today's Onboard Sailor Talent Review. I guess we'll be hearing a 1915 Sailor Song, presented by the Peerless Quartet. On a great big ship to a land across the sea. To a land across the sea, the sea, the sea, the sea. When far from shore the sea 
John Goss and the 1928 Cathedral Male Voice Quartet with the Sailor Likes His Bottle-O. Before them, the Peerless Quartet gave us a 1915 Sailor Song with a few bad jokes thrown in. You are listening to WSHDLP Esport. This is 
Captain Cracklin Jane, and we are sailing through outer space on the Lonely Maiden, a proud three-masted, fully square-rigged vessel carrying supplies to interplanetary outposts. Just what are we carrying on this trip, First Mate Rex? Well, Captain, we have, uh, we have inlading 50 barrels of invasive green crab pate, uh, 75 crates of Thor comic books, 120 barrels of oatmeal, among many other exotic delicacies. Thank you, Rex. And the sailors are mounting a talent show this hour, and it looks like Deckhands Bill Cox and Cliff Hobbs are going to tell us about a 1936 blue-eyed sailor. I remember one night it was at the ballroom Where he first made love to me He took me home where the stars were shining Oh, how happy there were we Drinking wine and drinking brandy you drink yours and I'll drink mine But in my wine he gave me poison And he left me there to die Here I lay on a bed of sorrow With my baby by my side It is yours, you can't deny it Or it Take my baby to my mother Tell her I know that I've done wrong Ask her if she'll please forgive me Tell her I am going home When I'm dead and in my coffin To that graveyard I must go Tell my baby to plant flowers So that she might always know Some of you that's heard my story Be a mother to my child Teach it of its dying mother Teach it to be sweet and mild
where art thou? You wrote me from Hong Kong. You said that you'd be back home one day. That was 14 years last Monday. I'm afraid that you've done me wrong. Oh, sailor, where art thou? If you can hear my plea, you hear me singing. Lover, come back to me. The little jacket of blue that was so new is worn out now. Sailor, sailor, where art heard from Stowaway, Evelyn Dahl, assisted by Ambrose and his orchestra in the 1937 Sailor Where Art Thou? And her act was ushered in by Bill Cox and Cliff Hobbs with their 1936 Blue-Eyed Sailor. Two songs about abandonment by roving sailors. And I wonder if we can have the ethics officer, Mr. Stanley, on board ship here say a few words about this phenomenon. Just step up to the microphone, sir. Thank you, Captain. The riotous living we witness amongst our crew whenst ever they dock on a distant planet or asteroid is a matter of the greatest concern and does not reflect the values of the proud ship, the Lonely Maiden. I plan to have a serious talk with the men about the need for grogging and wenching responsibly. Thank you, Ethics Officer Stanley. Uh, let's get back to our talent show here, featuring the crew of the Lonely Maiden. First mate Bing Crosby will sing Sailor Beware, with the 1936 backing of Georgie Stoll and his orchestra. Steer by that north star, look out for the moon. Sailor beware, beware, beware of your heart. One night of moonlight can start a typhoon. Sailor, beware, beware, beware of your heart. Control that emotion. Whatever you do, somebody lies over the ocean and lies in wait for you. Love can't be found with a compass or chart. So be smart, sailor beware, be careful and watch your heart. See the world across that old Pacific where the gals are. All terrific if you like some Oriental. See the world across that old Atlantic where the gals are. So romantic if you like some Continental. Go east, young man, go west, young man, but don't. Go sentimental, oh, steer 
by that North Star. Look out for the moon. Oh, sailor, beware, 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 beware of your heart. You know that one night of moonlight can start a typhoon. You got to look out, sailor, beware, beware of your heart. Control that emotion, whatever you do. Somebody lies over the ocean and lies in wait for you. Love can't be found with a compass or chart, so be smart. Sailor, beware, be careful, and watch your heart. Control that emotion, whatever you do. Some Bonnie lies over the ocean, and she lies right there and waits for you. Love can't be found with a compass or charm, so be smart. Sailor, beware, be careful, and watch your heart.
heaven help a sailor on a night like this? That was Art Barnett with Tommy Christian and his 1927 orchestra describing his adventures in Hawaii. Before him, our own first mate, Bing Crosby, provided a 1936 warning entitled, Sailor Beware. Hey, Captain, I thought I was first mate. Well, Bing wanted it so bad, let's give him a chance. We can have two first mates, can't we? Now, recently our three-rig ship, the Lonely Maiden... Which, uh, by the way, has solar panels instead of canvas sails. Recently we passed the Carina Nebula. So let's ask some of the sailors who are assigned to the Crow's Nest, where the Kingsley Space Telescope is located, to tell us what they think the Carina Nebula looks like. Uh, sir? Uh, Captain, ma'am, uh, it reminds me of uh, seeing a mountain range in the moonlight. Kind of eerie-like. And uh, you, young man? Um, well, Captain, to me, I thought it, it looked like when us kids would, would put a sheet over us to try to look like ghosts, reaching out real creepy to, to scare people. How about you, sir? Uh, for myself, it brings to mind a, a heuristic algorithm I happened to work on once in mathematics with, with all its local minima and maxima. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And I see we need to cut away back to the talent show. Here is Swabby Frank Luther with Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Who's that knocking at my door? Who's that knocking at my door? Who's that knocking at my door? Cried the fair young maiden. It's only me from over the sea, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I'm all lit up like a Christmas tree, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I'll sail the sea until I croak. I fight and swear and drink and smoke, but I can't swim a bloody stroke, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Are you young and handsome, sir? Are you young and handsome, sir? Are you young and handsome, sir? Cried the fair young maiden. I'm old and rough and dirty and tough, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I drink my gin, I dip my snuff, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I drink my whiskey when I can, whiskey from an old tin can, for whiskey is the life of man, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I'll come down and let you in. I'll come down and let you in. I'll come down and let you in, cried the fair young maiden. Well, hurry before I break the door, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I'll cuss and fuss and rant and roar, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. I'll spin you yarns and tell you lies. I'll drink your wine and eat your pies. I'll kiss your cheek and black your eyes, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Sing me a love song low and sweet. Sing me a love song low and sweet. Sing me a love song low and sweet, cried the fair young maiden. Sixteen men on a dead man's chest, sang Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Yo heave ho and a bottle of rum, sang Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Oh, a high rig a cheek and a jaunting car, a hee-yaw-ho, what are you most done? Hooray, my boys, at the Blue John Run, sang Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Tell me that we soon shall wed, tell me that we soon shall wed, tell me that we soon shall wed, cry the fair young maiden. 
I've got me a wife in every port, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. The handsome gals is what I court, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. With my false heart and flattering tongue, I court some all, both old and young. I court some all, but marries none, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. When shall I see you again? When shall I see you again? When shall I see you again? Cry the fair young maiden. Never again I'll come no more, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Tonight I'm sailing from the shore, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. If you wait for me to come, setting and waiting and sucking your thumb, you'll wait until the day of your doom, says Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Goodbye. Good ship can 
Frank Luther tell the 1928 tale of Barnacle Bill the Sailor, followed by Harry Lauder's 1918 rendition of I Love to Be a Sailor. Now, Harry Lauder brought up an interesting point that if each sailor has a girl in each port, then by mathematical necessity, each girl must have a sailor on each ship. Yes, this is a cause for sobering reflection amongst the crew. And whilst that soaks in, deckhand Milton Estes is stepping up with the 1947 Whoa, Sailor. I'll tell you about my night on shore if you will lend an ear. I stepped into a cabaret to get myself a beer. A pretty girl sat all alone and needed company. But when I got close, this girl arose. This is what she said to me. Now she said, whoa, sailor, be careful what you do. In your eye there's a gleam, and to me it seems you're just like all the rest. With a wolfish eye and a line so sly, then a sailor's at his best.
I morgen skal vi lette anker Litt matrot Kalle og jeg Til fremmede langkurs vi setter Ut på eventyr drar vi vår vei Vi drar i vei For vi er to glade sjømenn To sjømenn, to sjømenn Vi liker oss aller best Der det stormer som mest Ja, vi er to glade sjømenn To sjømenn, to sjømenn Som elsker de salte våver I stille og blest Og i hver havn der har vi piker små Og når vi drar vår vei De sier som så Vi elsker to glade sjømenn To sjømenn, to sjømenn Med veien det slenger stikk Og med øynene står blå Happy 1942 Norwegian sailors, including Elif Knudsen and members of the Holtskvintet. And that contribution to our talent extravaganza was preceded by the 1947 Whoa Sailor, related by Milton Estes. This is WSHDLP Eastport. Captain Cracklin Jane speaking, and we're sailing through outer space on the square rigged vessel The Lonely Maiden. We are accrued by Earth sailors from all over the globe. Isn't that right, First Mate Rex? Aye, Captain. And we're showcasing some of the savvy of songitude from our sailors from Sweden, ones from Norway, North America, Ireland, Greece, and here's another one from Scotland. Ship's carpenter Sandy McFarlane will sing the 1930 McNabb's a Jolly Sailor. <laughs> McNab's a jolly sailor, oh, McNab's a jolly tar. McNab has sailed the seven seas, but I've sailed twice as far. McNab's the sort of man you can that likes to give a toast. <laughs> There's just one thing about McNab that always makes me boast. 
And the way McNabb winks the other right And every bonny lassie just adores him When he sails the ocean blue in every port as wanders through No, who would you like to be a sailor's darling? Oh, I like McNabb. I do. I like McNabb. And why shouldn't I? Why, we've been cronies now for, oh, 19 or 20 years. In fact, uh, 20 years next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Or maybe it was a quarter to 10. I don't know. It might have been 10 o'clock. I really don't know what time it was, but I know it was on a Saturday morning and I didn't have a penny in my pooch. <laughs> Mac had just come in from Australia and had tons of money. <laughs> anyway, they say, come on, Sandy, have another. And of course, I, being a perfect gentleman, I never like to refuse. <laughs> I am forgiven the toast or singing the song that never was the beat of McNabb. In fact, I'll give you one of McNabb's toasts. Here's to the man that sails the sea, and here's to the man that don't, and here's to the man that goes straight home, and here's to the man that won't, and here's to the sailor that loves the lass while he's sailing the stormy sea, and every lass he doesn't want, he can chuck around to me. <laughs> I and I wonder how McNabb gets the lasses. Well, I'll tell you. It's the way McNabb wings the other eye And every bonny lassie just adores him When he sails the ocean blue in every port as one the true No, who would you like to be a sailor's darling? When he sails the ocean blue in every port that's one that's true No, who would you like to be a sailor's darling? <laughs> oh, I love to be a sailor. Oh, no. 
γλώρι Αναστενάζει για μια μελαχρινή Κι ο ναυτισμόνος μπροστά στη γλώρι Αναστενάζει για μια μελαχρινή That, friends, was a song about a sailor from Greece. And before that, Sandy McFarlane told us all about his buddy McNabb, the jolly sailor from 1930s Scotland. Planet Ho! Planet Ahoy! Captain! Captain, Planet Kingsley extend straight ahead! Thank you, Rex. Okay, we have time for a couple more entrants in our sailor talent show before the arrival of the space tugboat which will guide us in for unloading our exotic comestibles and also picking up some barrels of space worms for use later as bait. Who's next? Here is uh, Woody Guthrie with a 1945 talking sailor. Bed with a woman just singing the blues Heard the radio telling the news the big red army took a hundred towns and allies dropping them two-ton bombs. Started hollering, yelling, dancing up and down like a bullfrog. Doorbell rung and in come a man, I signed my name, I got a telegram. Said if you want to take a vacation trip, got a dishwashing job on a Liberty ship. Woman a crying, me a flying out the door and down the line. About two minutes or run ten blocks, I come to my ship down at the dock. Walked up the plank and I signed my name. Blowed that whistle, was gone again. Right on out and down the stream. Ships disperse, my eye could see. 
coming away. Ship loaded down the TNT, all out across the rolling sea. Stood on the deck, watched the fishes swim. I was a praying them fish wasn't made out of tin. Sharks, porpoises, jelly beans, rainbow trouts, mud cats, dewgars, all over that water. This convoy's the biggest they ever did see. It stretches all the way out across the sea, and the ships blow the whistles and the ringer bells. Gonna blow them fascists all to hell. Win some freedom, liberty, stuff like that. Walked to the tail, stood on the stern, looking at the big brass screw blade turn. Listened to the sound of the engine pound. Gained 16 feet every time went around. Getting closer and closer. Look out, you fascists. I'm just one of the merchant crew. I belong to the union called the NMU. I'm a union man from head to toe. I'm USA and CIO. Fighting out here on the waters to win some freedom on the land. Sailor boy in Trinidad with the dolls is very fine. All the ladies want to know a good time, Sailor Joe. Sailor Joe, Sailor Joe, he made a lot of whiskey flow. Ain't afraid to spend the buck, a good time, Sailor Joe. Goodbye, 
We heard Woody Guthrie give us a 1945 Talking Sailor, which was followed by Sailor Joe, as told by Wellington Blakely in 1953. And as the proud merchant three-mast, square-rigged, lonely maiden approaches its next port of call, namely Planet Kingsley X-10, the sailors will now settle in for some quiet time, repairing ropes and cables and carving their initials on the masts as the aroma of rations bubbles on the stove. We were regaled this hour with sailor songs from Norway, Sweden, Greece, Ireland, Scotland, England, U.S., Hawaii, and Trinidad. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. And the gangplank is always out at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. As the crew of the Lonely Maiden attends to some last-minute mending before shore leave on Planet Kingsley X-10, let's treat them to some old radio dramas about seafaring, starting with the 1935 episode of Popeye the Sailor, in which Popeye breaks up with olive oil. So let's listen. All hands on deck. Here's Popeye. Glutch turned Olive's head with flattery, promised to get her in the movies, proposed marriage, and then deserted her in a flying machine. Now, Popeye rescued her all right, but has declared that he's through with Olive forever. As our scene opens, we find Wimpy and Matey outside Olive's lunch wagon about to break the news to her. There she is, Wimpy, fixing sandwiches at the lunch counter. Uh, uh, you go first, lad. What's the matter? You scared? Not at all. I merely wish to make a dignified entrance. I don't know what that is, but I think you've got cold feet. Uh, cease discussing my feet and go on in. Okay. Hello, Alice. Oh, dear, here you are, child, and I'm not half ready. Where are the others? Here comes Wimpy now. Greetings and salutations, Miss Oil. Hello, Wimpy. Uh, where's Popeye? Uh, beg pardon? Are you deep? I said, hello, Wimpy. Where's Popeye? Oh, hello, Miss Oil. Uh, good day. Uh, charming weather. Oh, stop beating around the bush, Wimpy. Uh, where's Popeye? Uh, Popeye is indisposed. Huh? He could not come. What? Uh, no doubt he is ill. Well, my gracious, why didn't you say so? I'll go right over. Oh, tut, tut. He might have a fever. He might be violent. Goodness, I'll get a couple of doctors. Oh, gee, Wimpy, why don't you tell her the truth? The truth? 
Tell me this minute. Oh, what's happened? Well, you see, Alice, Papa isn't coming here anymore. Yeah, he feels that, that all is over between you and him. All is over? You mean that we aren't going to be friends anymore? Gee, Olive, don't take it so hard. He'll get over it. You have us, my dear Olive. We can commune over hamburgers. Oh, dear. I think I'm going to cry. What's the matter? Papa, I got mad because you got engaged to that Mr. Glutch. Yes, and he felt that you had given him the cold shoulder. Oh, <laughs> it's his own fault anyway. Popeye never proposed to me. Well, uh, perhaps Popeye is not the proposing kind. Well, then he hasn't any right to be so ornery. Never mind, Miss Oyle. After all, you have me. <laughs> I... J. Wellington Don Juan Casanova Wimpy. But, 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 but I don't want you. Oh, I want to die. Oh, golly, <laughs> Olive, don't take it so. Pretend you don't care. Come on, let's go on a picnic. That's just what we'll do. And have such a good time, he'll be jealous, the old meanie. Well, Olive, cheer up. Come on, where's the lunch basket? Right over there. Wimpy, you leave those hamburgers alone. They're for the picnic. Maisie, you go on and watch for a trolley car. Okay, Olive. I can scarcely move carrying this heavy basket. Well, you just move and like it. Get along. I'm practically in motion. In fact, here I go. I'll be with you in a minute. Now, you talk to me. I'm a lady, I'll have you know. All right, all right. 
Who's paying the fares? I uh, believe you are the hostess, Miss Oil. Uh, just a minute. Here's the money. Hold fast, everybody. Look out, Al. Sit down. Oh, you knocked me over. I told you to hold on, lady. Well, you might have waited and I got in my seat. Did you hurt yourself, Olive? No, I don't think so, but I got a terrible joke. Here, you sit next to the window, Olive. Yes, have the window seat, Miss Oil. A lovely view. The only view I see is the street, and I see that every day. Well, I always say, if there's nothing but the street to look at, look at the bright side of the street. My I'm a nervous man. Keep your feet, Wendy. If I can stand it, you can. Look, Olive, we're coming to that big curve. Courageous. Isn't he going to slow down first? No, he's not. Hold on, Olive. Oh, oh, I can't bear to look. Here we go. Oh, my, I'm a wreck. My hair is coming down. Horrors, and still the fiend speeds on. Why? He's going even faster. Say, Mayor, Mr. Conductor. What is it, lady? You tell that motorman to slow down, or we're liable to have a smash-off. Say, he is going kind of fast, lady. I'll speak to him. Well, I should think so. First thing you know, we'll all end up in Kingdom Come. Golly, he's going faster than ever now. Look at him, Olive. They're all excited. Oh, my goodness, I just know something's gone wrong. Conductor, ask him. And Mr. Conductor, what's the trouble? Why doesn't he slow down? He can't, ma'am. The brakes are jammed or something. Holy smoke! And we're going down Red Hill. Oh, oh! And, and there's a big truck right across the track. We're going to hit it. We're going to hit it. Help! Help! Are we killed? I believe so. I have never been quite so killed before. Gee, the motor gone. Yeah, matey. 
But first, I need extra special muscle. Wimpy, me favorite cereal. What are your requirements, Popeye? Well, on account I has to use me feet for brakes to stop this here trolley, I need three bowls. Three bowls coming up. Wait, Peanut, do your stuff. Here's one. Here's another. And the third. Now, look at me muscles. Oh, Popeye, whatever will you do to stop us? I lets myself down easy, and I start using me feet for brakes. Here goes. The race is going to the fog fly. Jason, there is a stream of traffic crossing the track ahead. I has to go easier. I burns me feet off. Hurry, Popeye! Okay, Mary, I just be best. Up, Ouch, me big toe is on fire. Oh, we're heading right into that traffic. No, we doesn't. I stop, sir. Listening to WSHDLP Esport. We've just heard a 1935 episode of Popeye the Sailor. Now stay tuned for a 1947 episode of Suspense entitled Murder Aboard the Alphabet. Suspense! Radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense! Tonight, Mr. John Lund. In Murder Aboard the Alphabet, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Shenley by William Spear. It is well past midnight now, and I write these words so that other men may know the full story of that ill-fated voyage of the deep-sea tug, Alphabet. Ours was not a large vessel, but sturdily built for its task. And though it seems an age, it was only a little over six months ago that we sailed from Liverpool, England, bound out across the North Atlantic to deliver our ship to her new owners, a salvage firm of Boston, Massachusetts. Stand by to cast off. We put out with a reduced complement. Just a handful of men, 12 in all. We were a new crew sent on board for this journey over the deep sea lanes. And I sailed as chief officer under the command of Captain Godfrey Walker, 
Second mate Harvey Goodrum and chief engineer Alec McTavish being the other members of our small saloon. I remember we departed on a cold, wet day with the fog lying low over Birkenhead and the northwest wind blowing fresh in our teeth. Out of port! As the drab gray of the Liverpool dockside dropped back into the soaking mists, I doubt if any man aboard could have foretold what lay ahead over those 3,000 miles of heaving sea. When we had cleared the lightship, I went into the wheelhouse, where Captain Walker searched the channel ahead, his deep black eyes staring out from under his shaggy eyebrows. I saw him, his huge frame bundled in a salt-stained greatcoat. Ah, Mr. Marshland, everything secured for sea? Yes, sir. Everything on deck is lashed down as tight as a whistle. Good, good. We may get a dirty crossing this time of the year. Oh, she'll be uncomfortable, sir. When it comes to ships, I'm used to something a little bigger. <laughs> You're on no 10,000 ton an hour, mister. If we hit it heavy, there'll be many a man on board who wish he'd never left the dockside. Oh, I think the crew can take it, sir. Well, maybe, mister, maybe. A few days out and we'll see. Keep it to a course, quartermaster. All right, sir. All right, Mr. Marshall. You can take her now. Very good, sir. Your course is South 70 West. South 70 West, sir. See these helmsmen. Keep her on the course. I'll be back in the cabin if you want. Aye, aye, sir. Queer cow, the skipper, sir. Is he? Aye. Fear gives me the creeps, he does. Oh, he's probably harmless enough. Used to bigger commands than this, I imagine. Ah, but I'd keep a watch on him, sir, if I was you. Keep a watch on him? Why? Why? If you don't know now, sir, you'll find out soon enough. South 70 West. Check your course. South 70 West it is, sir. Excellent, sir. You sent for me? Oh, yes. Come in, mister. Come in. Ah. Take a chair, mister. Thank you, sir. No, not that one. Over there. Oh, certainly, sir. Is, uh, is there anything wrong? No, 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 no. Nothing's wrong. I just want to talk to you, discuss the affairs of the ship with you, give you some idea of what I expect. Oh, here. Cigarette? Oh, thank you. Well, by the way, you will not use that ashtray on your right. No, you will not use it. You may place your ash carefully on the other one. Uh, this one? Yes, yes, that one. Tell me, how long since you had your last birth, mister? Why, uh, it's been some time, sir. Oh, port captain says you know me. Well, uh, only by reputation, sir. <laughs> Would it surprise you to learn that I know something of you by reputation, mister? Why, I, I don't exactly... <laughs> we ought to make quite a fair, mister, quite a fair. No world, no matter. Now, I shall tell you the reason I summoned you to my cabin, Mr. Marshall. You will find, if you do not know already, that I have very definite ways I wish things to be done. Very definite ways. First of all, I demand complete, unquestioning obedience. Well, of course, sir. 
I'm sure you'll get the fullest cooperation from myself and the crew. Yeah, good, good. I want that to be perfectly clear. I also insist that your supervision of the work on this ship be done in a certain manner I shall prescribe. All items of work will be carried out in alphabetical order. Alphabetical order, sir? Precisely. Starting with A and carrying through to Z. I'm afraid I don't understand, sir. I think my meaning is perfectly clear. Uh, If the hands are painting ship, they will start with the alleyways and all other items beginning with A. Then the bulkheads, then the decks, and so forth. You understand me now, mister? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. I I think I understand. But uh, I'm afraid I don't quite see your reason. Mr. Marshall, my reasons are not to be questioned. You will remember, while I'm in command of this vessel, I hold the power of life and death. He was sitting across from me on the small settee of his cabin, his massive face half hidden in the shadows, his eyes piercing into mine. In the nearness of him, I could see the bloodshot veins like thin red tracings against the white. The man was mad. Higgins was right. He was mad. Yes, life and death. I looked about his cabin. There was something inhuman in its ordered neatness, as if the warmth of man had not touched it. I saw the books stacked evenly in the bookshelf. I saw the titles arranged in alphabetical order. It was a pattern complete in itself. The desk, the bunk, immaculate. Not a wrinkle or speck of dust visible to the naked eye. On the bulkhead were four photographs, enlargements of outdoor scenes. With a start, I realized they, too, were in perfect order, arranged according to the seasons, from left to right, spring, summer, autumn, winter. My eyes darted about me again, and on the shelf above his bunk, I saw three cameras. They also fitted the pattern, the smallest on the left, the largest on the right. I remembered the chair and the ashtray, and turned towards him as he spoke again. Uh, Is that uh, perfectly clear, Mr. Marshall? Yes, sir perfectly clear. Good, good. Now, one final thing. I insist that the quartermasters taking the wheel appear in sequence of the first letter of their surnames. But, sir, that will mean rearranging the watches. Surely the... Silence! You will do as I order. Very good, sir. The watches will be changed. (laughs) That's better, much better. Well, mister, now that we understand one another, we shall cease talking about the ship. Aha! I see you've noticed my photographs. Well, I can't say I know much about it, sir, but I'd say they're excellent. Of course they're excellent. I took them myself, a hobby of mine. You uh, may have noticed I have three cameras. Two of them are of German make, the other American. The medium-sized one in the middle I use with infrared film. Comparatively recent development. The other two I use for general purposes. Are you interested in photography, Mr. Marshall? Well, I can't say I am particularly, sir. I've never done anything like that for a hobby. Very well. If you're not interested, you may go. Oh, I didn't mean that I wasn't... That is an order, Mr. Marshland. You will now go. I left him then and stumbled into the cold darkness outside, the thoughts tumbling unendingly through my head as I made my way to my cabin. 
We were pushing our way over the restless waters of the North Atlantic with a madman in command. On the morning of the third day, the second officer came running onto the bridge and flung himself excitedly into the wheelhouse. Mr. Marshland, I'd like a word with you. Well, go ahead, Goodrum. What is it? Will you, will you come outside? I, I can't tell you here. Certainly. Now, what in the world is the matter with you? It's, it's the wireless operator, sir. Abercrombie. He's gone. You mean he's disappeared? Off the ship? Disappeared? <laughs> Maybe. But I wouldn't wonder if there was a better name for it than that, sir. What do you mean? I mean... Murder. Abercrombie was gone, vanished without a trace from the decks of the alphabet. And although I didn't have the feeling myself, there was an uneasiness within the crew now. They seemed furtive, frightened they quietly drifted out of sight whenever the captain made an appearance on the deck. You could see they feared him and somehow connected his madness with the disappearance of the wireless operator. That night, I stood in the darkness of the wheelhouse, the faint light from the binnacle shining on the face of Higgins as he stood his trick at the wheel. It's a rum go, sir. That Abercrombie didn't just fall over the side by himself. Mark my words on that. Oh, come now, Higgins. Many a man has disappeared from shipboard, swept over the side by a sea. I say, on a stormy night, that may be. But last night was a pretty quiet one. Just a little kiss of rain. Done in, he was, sir. But why? What reason? Reason? No one had no reason, sir. Except maybe the queer one. The queer one? Aye, the skipper, sir. Good heavens, man. Are you accusing the captain of... He's not a normal man, sir. I wouldn't be too loud about the captain, Higgins. You can't accuse people without evidence. I'll keep me tongue. But the skipper's off his rocker. You know that as well as I do, sir. Oh, he's got some set ideas about things, but that doesn't... Alphabetical ideas, sir? Well, yes, but... Ain't you thought of this, sir? His name, Abercrombie. What of it? Beginning with the hay, the first letter of the alphabet. Abercrombie was the first. But he won't be the last, sir. He won't be the last. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage John Lund as Furt Mate Marshland and Joseph Kearns as Captain Walker in Murder Aboard the Alphabet. A play well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Needless to say, the conclusions of the men were no surprise to me. But I didn't feel the time was ripe for further action. On the evening of the following day, the barometer started dropping, and next morning saw the low gray clouds scudding swiftly before the wind, and the alphabet laboring heavily in the rising sea. It was at eight bells of the morning watch, the sixth day at sea. 
Who's there? It's McTavish, Mr. Meade. Oh, come in, Chief. Yeah. Take a chair, Chief. Well, what is it? You look bothered. Butterfield, mister. He's lost. Lost? Aye. Are you sure, McTavish? Oh, aye, I'm sure enough. We've searched for him all around the ship. There's near a trace, mister. Have you informed the captain? Ah, the old man. Didn't you think he knows it? Come on. Another man gone, sir. Butterfield. Butterfield, eh? Aye, sir. How long have you known this, Mr. Marshall? The chief engineer informed me only a few moments ago, sir. Are you sure of this, Mr. McTavish? Aye, I'm sure. There's near a trace of him anywhere aboard the ship. Very well, Mr. McTavish, you may go. I wish to speak to the chief officer alone. What about Butterfield, sir? Go, Mr. McTavish, that's an order. Aye, sir. I'll be off. Well, Mr. Marshalland. I'm afraid this is beyond me, sir. No, I'm not referring to the engineer, mister. He's obviously disappeared. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, why are you standing? Why don't you sit down? Well, I'd... Uh, but thank you, sir. Yes, it's Thursday. You may sit in the armchair. Thank you. Uh, well, what do you think of my ship now? Do you still find it uncomfortable? Oh, no, sir. I, I like it very well. I thought a long time before I shipped aboard. Oh, you did, eh, mister, huh? Well, she's small, but then any ship's a ship, eh? I'd like something a little more, but then... Then the sea is the lady that counts. Am I right? That's right, sir. You love her. You love her very much, don't you, Marshal? I do. Yes, I do. You're young, but you love her more than anything? More than anything. More than is, uh... More than is natural. Captain. Uh, and now you're seated. Uh, do you like to inspect my cameras and tell me what you think of them? Well, I'm afraid I don't know a great deal about that sort of thing, sir. Oh, you know nothing about them. Hey, good, you may leave my cabin. Certainly, sir. I shall look into the Butterfield matter. He's left the ship, mister. You're only wasting your time. Now go. second time I left the cabin of that strange man, I left him alone with his madness, and steadying myself against the roll of the ship, walked the deck, thinking my own thoughts. It was that night that Higgins came to me in my cabin. I bade him enter, and he settled his wizened body down upon my armchair. I was lying in my bunk, watching him as he sat there, awkwardly twisting his cap in his hands. It's an unusual request I have, sir. I, I, I hope I can speak in confidence, like. Go on, Higgins. Whatever you have to say will be just between the two of us. Well, sir, we think the skipper should be put away, sir. Put away? What do you mean? Locked up, sir. But he can't harm us. You know, that's mutiny. Oh, it's mutiny, but, but Mr. Marshland, he'll murder us all. Abercrombie, Butterfield... He'll go clear on down the alphabet if we don't stop him. There's no proof. Well, the lads are sure enough. Are they? Just give us the word, sir, and we'll help you. We'll put him away. Very well, Higgins. Keep it among yourselves, but you can tell the men this. If there's any more trouble, 
I'll take matters into my own hands. You can rest assured of it. Thank you, sir. They'll aid by the mutiny, but there ain't a court in the world as ever would convict you, ain't it? No. No, Higgins, I don't think there is. It had to be done very carefully. And for quite a while, I lay back upon my bunk, thinking of what Higgins had said. It would be risky, but the men were behind me. That would more than sway the balance. Higgins was right. Any court of law would see the wisdom of my action. They would never convict for mutiny. And Captain Walker would be locked away forever. We continued on our way. And in the howl of the wind and the long seas, you could sense the cold hand of fear that had settled over the alphabet. By the evening of the seventh day, we stood well out on our great circle track, more than halfway between Liverpool and Boston. We plunged through dirty seas, rising to each crest and falling to the trough below, with the water curling green over the flare of our bluff bows. But we made fair time, and the knots slipped steadily astern. It was during the inky blackness of that night that death struck again on the decks of the alphabet, and another member of our dwindling band disappeared into the unknown. Abercrombie, Butterfield, and now the third man. His name was Chadwick. Dirty weather, sir. Well, I'll be getting below, sir. Would you please let me by? I, I want to go below. I... Drop something, sir. Never mind, I'll get it. There. Up rather late, aren't you, Mr. Marshall? You are too, aren't you, Captain? I thought I heard a scream. Oh, did you now, mister? Did you? We're all here, sir. You all know why you're here. Yes, sir. The lens now. We're with you, mister. Uh, we'll stop his tricks, we will. Yes. Good. Now, we must do this quietly and quickly. There must be no bungling, understand? Yes, sir. All right. Here goes. Yes? Captain Walker, will you come on deck a minute? Well, mister, what is it you want? Come out here, sir. I want to show you something. Take your hand with you, Mr. Marshall. Never mind that, man. Captain, stay where you are. This gun is loaded. So now it's mutiny. Marshall, you'd better... Shut think. up. One move and I'll shoot. Aye, and you'll get my knife in your gizzard. Mr. Marshall, he's a skipper now. You swing for this, Marshall, you and all the rest. <laughs> you really think they'll hang a mate for mutiny when they can hang a captain for murder? Mm-hmm. 
we sailed into Boston Harbor with Captain Walker lashed securely to a chair in his cabin. After the first brief struggle, he had grown quieter. And during the last days of our voyage, he had just sat there, silently, saying nothing. A strange, mad smile leering from his lips. We arrived in Boston late in the afternoon. And as we sailed up the harbor, we hoisted the international signal calling for the harbor police. After we had docked alongside, I, I went up to his cabin to ensure that all was in readiness for the arrival of the police. And as I stood over him, bound there in his chair, his eyes seemed to mock me, his smile taunting me. <laughs> so, Mr. Marshland, this is to be the success of your little plan, eh? I have nothing to say to you, Captain. The police will be aboard at any moment. <laughs> you think I'm mad, don't you? Well, maybe I am. But you've bungled it badly, mister. You've bungled it very badly. Have I? Who's that? Police. Police, come in, come in. Officer, this man yes, is... Yes, you've bungled it, Mr. Marshall. Why weren't you content to let me be with my madness? As I was content to let you be with yours. Oh, we'd have made quite a pair, as I told you, if you hadn't bungled it. What are you talking about? Oh, I know all about you, mister. Under a bit of a cloud, eh? Haven't shipped for quite a while. Not the first vessel you've been on where men have disappeared in the black of the night, eh? Oh, but I wouldn't have cared. No, I liked your methods, businesslike. By the letters, by the alphabet. You are mad. Take him away, oh, officer. Oh, yes, mad, quite. But you should have taken more interest in my photography, mister. My infrared film, for instance. You can take pictures on the darkest night. Would I have one, mister? An excellent likeness. A likeness? Of you, mister. The night you pushed Chadwick over the side. The police have been very understanding. They could readily understand how a man could hate and fear the sea and yet love it like a woman. Love it enough to follow it and hunger for it and make every sacrifice. Even human sacrifice. But now they say they must send me away to a place where the sea can no longer torture me. A place of no land or sea or wind or rain, but only rest. This time, my son, can you pray? Yes, to the sea, only to the sea. Suspense. Murder Aboard the Alphabet, starring John Lund. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1947 episode of Suspense, Murder Aboard the Alphabet. And we hear next a 1936 episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, Captain of the Ship. Until the captain comes back to the bridge and finds out what a real headache is, we find in command those two salty seafarers, Pepper McGee and Molly. I wonder what all 
all the guests on board will say when they hear who's in charge of the ship, McGee. Well, shucks, if they don't say nothing, it's okay. And if they object, it's mutiny, and I'll put them in irons. In irons? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm, search me, but that's what they always do to mutineers. <laughs> Besides, everything's going to be all right. There's pirate's blood in me, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> You certainly act pretty kiddish at times. <laughs> you know, Molly, I gotta tell you... Watch what you're doing, McGee. Huh? Heavenly days, you nearly run down that launch. Well, they should ought to get out of the way. According to the rules of navigation, the vessel onto the starboard tack has got the right of way unless the vessel onto the port tack supersedes the starboard tack by blowing his whistle four times. Which in international code means, out of the way, cowboy. Oh. <laughs> Unless he's flying a red flag with a white circle, which means, send a bottle of seltzer aboard, or which way is Newfoundland? <laughs> oh, it's easy when you know the rules, Molly. Oh, you've been reading them navigation books till you're dizzy, McGee. <laughs> you've been spouting misinformation ever since you come over the gangplank. Oh. And incidentally, why do they call it a gangplank? Well, now, let me see. Gangplank. Gangplank. <laughs> I suppose you think it's a law enforcement clause in a political platform. Now, give me a chance. Let's see. They call it a gangplank. On I'll be glad to give you the information, Lottie. Hey, guests ain't allowed up here on the bridge, bud. But while you're here, why do they call it a gangplank? Because, lass, when you're coming on board, you gang up it and plank yourself doing on the deck. <laughs> Which way are we headed, McGee? It's hard to tell. That dead-redded compass won't hold still long enough for me to see. <laughs> Look at it. It skips around between southwest and north and northeast, McGee. I know. I'm going to get the ship's carpenter to pound a nail through the needle to hold it steady. <laughs> Meantime, you know how I'm holding her steady onto her course? How? You see that flagpole up front there? Yeah. In the sharp end? Yeah. Well, I'm just keeping that pole straight ahead of me all the time. <laughs> It's a good thing there's lots of water in the Atlantic. Oh, well, no... Excuse me, Skipper. A wireless just received from the Coast Guard cutter. What does it say? It says iceberg sighted two degrees east of your position. Okay. Tell them we don't want any ice today. You know, McGee, I've got a feeling you don't know in the least what you're doing. Oh, now, Molly, didn't the Skipper turn it over to me? Ain't I wearing his coat with four stripes onto the sleeve? A zebra wears stripes, too, but it's just a jackass underneath. Well, just the same. Oh, I... wait a minute, McGee. Here comes one of the sailors. Looks familiar, too. Oh, yeah, that's Red Ingo. He's one of Ted Weems' deckhands. I know. I saw him playing his violin on the fiddly hat. <laughs> what you want, sailor? Begging your pardon, sir. One of the crew picks up this blooming bottle from the water, sir, as it was floating past. Heavenly days, a bottle. And it's got a message in it. Here, give it here and I'll open her up. Shall I hold the wheel, sir? No, let the wheel go. There ain't nothing to run into. No, sir. But you're your, sir. Your, sir? Your, sir. Your man. <laughs> I mean, Lloydie, the blooming tub will fall off the loo with Mama. She ain't kept on a blinking course. Well, don't you worry about the blinking boat, but <laughs> You go on back downstairs. Hello, sir, you mean. Downstairs, I ain't proper nautical, sir. Oh, go jump in the lake. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> well, that's what I like to see, discipline. Now, let's see. Find out what's in this bottle. If I can only get this cork loose. Ah, here she comes. My. Now, how are you going to get the message out, McGee? I don't know. Give me a hairpin, Molly. Thanks. Uh, that ain't long enough. Got to have a long piece of wire. 
me see now. Long piece of wire, long piece of wire, long piece of wire. Did it ever occur to you to bust the bottle, McGee? Uh, I thought of that, Molly. But this note might require an answer. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Here goes. You got the note, Molly? What's it say? Heavenly days. Listen, McGee. Huh? It says, to Her Royal Majesty Queen Isabella, Madrid, Spain. Oh. Dear babe. <laughs> Hope to tight land tomorrow. Mm. Having nice trips. Wish you were here. Sign Chris. X, 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 X. Well, for the, can you imagine that, Molly? From Columbus. Yeah, and to think it was written on the typewriter, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and on Waldorf Astoria Stationery. <laughs> that old two-timer. I see it all now. He crossed the Atlantic and double-crossed Isabella. And no regrets. <laughs> Nothing happens while you're in charge, McGee. I can't swim very good. Oh, never mind. I can swim good enough for both of us. <laughs> I ever tell you about the time I was whaling over near Nova Scotia? No. What were you whaling about? Not whaling. <laughs> whaling. Catching whales. Oh. I was out in a small boat with a harpoon into my hand and the rope tied around my waist and a tremendous whale dead ahead. I was all ready to heave the harpoon at if him. If he was dead, why, why did you want a harpoon? He wasn't dead. He was dead ahead. If he was dead, what difference did it make where he was? Oh, I... <laughs> he wasn't dead. He was ahead. Oh. Well, sir, with a lightning flip of my arm, I heaves the harpoon. The whale gives a jerk, and the line yanks me out of the boat. Well, sir, there I was, with only 40 foot of line between me and Mr. Whale. Quite a line. <laughs> How do you know it was Mr. Whale? On account of because it didn't say nothing. <laughs> Well, sir, I know it. If I didn't do some quick thinking, I was a goner. So I start swimming for dear life. Why didn't you just untie the rope? What? And lose that fine whale? No, sir. Us whalers was made of sterner stuff than that, Molly. Well, sir, for three hours, there was a tug of war between me and that whale, him swimming east and me swimming west toward Halifax. You mean Halifax, don't you? Uh, well, sir, finally I swam ashore at Halifax, and there was no whale in sight. I thought at first I'd pull the harpoon out, but no, sir. When they hauled in that rope over a mile long, the dead whale was on the other end of it. I thought you said there was only 40 foot of rope. There was, but I'd pulled so hard against that whale, the harpoon had stretched out into a steel wire a mile long. Oh. <laughs> From that day on, Molly, I was known as Whaler McGee. Whaler McGee, the whirlwind whale whipper and wharf whopping water man of the whale wearing. <laughs> to think he used to be known in Peoria as McGee the Minnow Moocher. Oh. Hi, Grandma. Don't you know you ain't allowed up here on the bridge? Oh, is that so? Well, listen to me, Skippy. Skipper. Skipper. I want you to slow this boat down. It's too jerky and I can't knit. <laughs> you can't knit. <laughs> Hear that, Molly? Grandma here wants us to slow down so she can get on with her knitting. <laughs> How fast do you think we're going, Grandma? Well, I don't know how fast the boat's going, Sonny, but when I looked at my knitting the last time, I figured I was doing a good 40 knots a minute. <laughs> McGee. Huh? What's the matter, Molly? Would it be a breach of nautical etiquette if I was to politely inquire, where in the name of goodness is this old tub headed for? <laughs> Certainly not. I'll be glad to tell you. 
I figured that considering the longitude and the latitude... Just stick to the longitude. You already had too much latitude. <laughs> well, anyway, I figure we're due east to Sandy Hook. Well, what do we do at Sandy Hook? I'm getting nervous. Oh, go on, Molly. This here's safer than driving a car. Oh, yeah? But one puncture is all you need in a boat. Oh, don't be like that. I tell you, them waves are getting real high, McGee. Real rough. Yeah, I've been noticing that. I suppose I'd better do something about it. For instance, what? Well, I always heard the idea was to pour oil on the troubled water to smooth it down. I'll ask that sailor if we got any. Hey there, Bozen Brown. In your eye, sir. Huh? I, I mean, aye, aye, sir. Insubordination. <clears throat> Listen, Bozen Brown, we got a few barrels of oil in the hold? No, sir, we haven't, sir. Well, what would you suggest for this rough sea? Johnson's wax, sir, for a smooth and shining surface, oh, sir. And uh, furthermore... <laughs> yes, sir. Go forward. Forward, sir. Yes, sir. How far, sir? Ten paces beyond the brow spit. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'll see now. I'll tell you where we are in just a bit, Molly. Just as soon as I shoot the sun. Who's sun? Nobody's sun. The sun up there. Where's that dad ratted Texan? I see. You shoot the sun and the Texan buries you. Not Texan, huh? Texan. That's the instrument us navigators use to find out where we're at. Did you ever? <laughs> oh, hello there, little girl. You ain't allowed up here on the bridge, you know. Why? Well, it's, uh, well, you just changed us all. Ain't nobody allowed up here. You're up here, I betcha. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm the skipper. Uh... What's the matter, don't you believe it? No. Let's see you skip. Oh. <laughs> Come on now, sis. Beat it back downstairs, or er, below. Below what? That's a seagoing term, meaning downstairs, sis. Hmm? I was just being nautical. I bet you get spanked if you are, betcha. Wait a minute. What do you want up here? What do you want? I don't want nothing. I'm running the boat. Where? Oh, wherever we go. Do you come back the same way, mister? Do, how do I know? I suppose we do. Well, gee, I guess it's all right, then. What's all right? Papa. He fell off the boat way, way back there, so pick him up on the way back, will you, mister? Hope that steward brings us up some lunch pretty soon, Molly. Seeing this boat is kind of exhausting. Port to starboard and starboard to port all day long. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Well, starboarder, pour yourself some port. <laughs> What's the bell ringing for, McGee? That's the time, Molly. Eight o'clock. Hold the wheel whilst I set my watch, will you? I'd have swore it was only four o'clock. Begging your pardon, sir. Seaman Ingle reporting, sir. Ain't you the guy that jumped overboard? Aye, aye, sir. I've been swimming underwater for the past four pages, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you want? Begging your pardon, sir. And the compliments of the mice, Mr. Weems, but we got a distress signal, sir. Who is it, and where is it from? It's a bloke who calls himself Tanner, sir. Helmo Tanner. He's whistling for help, sir. Whistling for help? Where is he, on the Canary Islands? Where will we pick him up, sailor? Bally Bally, sir, on the beach. Okay, on the beach at Bally Bally. <laughs> Tell the crew to stand by to pick up a castaway. Aye, aye, sir. Bally good, sir. Bally Bally good. <laughs> Still sore at that steward, Molly. Here we are way out on the ocean, and he couldn't even give me a plate of oysters. This is August, Diggernet. Oh, what of it? Oysters aren't good in the months that haven't got an R in them. Oh, well, this is August the 3rd. 
Besides, oysters can't spell. No, and I never got any pearls out of you, so that makes it even. Hey, it's getting kind of rough, ain't it, Molly? wonder what you're supposed to do when the waves get real high. I give up. So do most of the passengers. <laughs> you know, Molly, I never seen the moon act so funny. How do you mean funny? Well, a few minutes ago, it was over on the left. Now it's on the right. <laughs> a while ago, it was right behind us. Kind of an optical delusion, I suppose. Sure, it couldn't be bad steering. It's a wonder the passengers don't object the way you're wandering around. <laughs> Chuck's there too busy practicing mashy shots off in the rear deck. <laughs> kind of foolish, ain't it? Oh, I don't know. I heard the sailor say we were in the Gulf Stream. Ain't that moon pretty, Molly? Look at that silver path it makes on the water. Nice, real beautiful, McGee. Yes, sir. Looks like you could walk right to heaven on it. You could. <laughs> Look at them little fish playing around down there, McGee. Millions of them. I didn't know they swam around in bunches like that at night. Them are night schools, Molly. Dad, Red, what does that sailor keep blowing that whistle for? Must be for that other boat over there. Where? Right over there, to the right. Huh? See the light? Oh, yeah. I'll steer over that way and see who it is. What's the matter? You dropped something? No, I'm just practicing the curtsy, maybe. It might be the Queen Mary. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with our lookout. He should have reported a sail in sight. Sail ho! At any Johnson wax dealer. Big sale of Johnson's auto cleaner with a free gift of Johnson's auto wax. <laughs> Hand me that there belaying pin, Molly. Thanks. Hey, up there. Look out. What? Look out. That's <laughs> <laughs> the time Bob Brown laid an egg in the crow's nest. <laughs> he was a pretty good sailor, too. Who? <laughs> Bob Brown a good sailor? Sure. <laughs> Shit. That guy thinks a bilge is what you get from eating radishes. <laughs> hey, that's quite a boat over there, ain't it? They better be getting out of the way. You better be getting out of the way yourself. Who, me? No, sir. I got the right away. He's giving you a warning whistle, McGee. Answer him. Okay. <laughs> very, very pretty. <laughs> What does it mean? Well, according to the international code, Molly, his signal meant get out of the way, and my signal meant, oh, yeah? <laughs> well, this is a fine time to get stubborn. Heavenly days, look at the sharp point on that boat. Now I know what they mean by a sea dog. Huh? That bow is a wow. <laughs> Sinking our nice yacht and you playing duet with a liner. Well, Dad, Reddit, I tell you, we got the right away, I tell you. Yeah, that's what my uncle said just before they scraped him off of the cow catcher. Oh. <laughs> hey, look at that dead Reddit pop. Look at him. Coming right at us. Hey, pull over there, you roadhog. <laughs> Where do you think you're going to a fire? You're not driving a car, McGee. Huh? You're at sea now. And you certainly are. <laughs> Hey there, you. Where do you think you're going? Avast, sir, my little salt shakers. Avast. Oh, no, you don't. I've asked you first. <laughs> hey, stop on your helm or you'll run us down. Oh, yeah, well, we got the right away. Don't give me any of that salt water taffy, my little scuffer snipe. Get your helm over there. Get the helm over yourself. Well, if we do have a collision, and if we sink, Molly, remember one thing. We had the right of way. Hey, where's the captain? Below with a headache. Well, bring him up and tell him we're going to be sunk. 
If he hurries, he'll be up in time to go down with the ship. <laughs> hey, you! Hey, you! Pull over there! Come on your hand there, you lovers! You'll run us down! What do you mean, we'll run you down? <laughs> hey, now! Everybody, hang on! We're going to crash! Gotta get them brakes fixed. <laughs> hey, you! Hey! Didn't I tell you to get out of the way? How bad are you damaged? Got a whole stove in the bow, and I'm afraid we're taking water. Very bad thing, taking water. Never could take it myself. Yes, sir. Well, listen here, you. I'm going to report you to the police. I had my arm out, and you wasn't even looking. Speeding along without no regard for nobody. You was doing at least 40. I'm going to turn you in for reckless driving. You don't, sir. Yes, I do, say. You run us down and I can prove it. Is that so? Yes. This is the Ambrose Lightship. We've been anchored here since Wilcox's appendicitis operation come out so nice, McGee. You bet it is, Molly. He's getting along swell, folks, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Telegram yeah. for Mr. McGee. Here, boy, I'm Mr. McGee. Oh, hurry up and open it, McGee. What's it say? Who's it from? Well, give me time. Listen, Molly. It's from Harpo. Oh. It says, heard you coming out of the ether. <laughs> Am I in stitches? Signed, Harlow Wilcox. Heavenly days. <laughs> well, I'll be. <laughs> hey, boy, what you waiting for? He sent the wire collect. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night, all. <laughs> You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. 
And we've just wrapped up with the 1936 episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, named Captain of the Ship. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. Joe Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady. Join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. I'm all about that hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary... It's a radio show with liner notes. Your kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad. Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine. 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz. But by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport.
Hi, this is Craig Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Eastport 93.3 FM.